Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. The first lesson this morning comes from the prophecy of Isaiah in the 55th chapter. Let us listen that we may hear. Ho! Ho! Everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I, have make, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. The Word of the Lord. The New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew in the 14th chapter. Immediately prior to this piece of Scripture, there is the news that John the Baptist, the one who came to proclaim Jesus' ministry, had been arrested, but not only arrested, but he had been executed in a rather gruesome manner. And Jesus hears this word, and this is the story that we hear beginning in Matthew 14, verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, the news about John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is late. Send the crowds away so they may go to the, into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to the disciples, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowd and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides the women and children. The word of the Lord. Say what? You know that idiom, it kind of means repeat that, please. Say what? 
Yeah, we hear that all the time. I think that's probably what the disciples heard or wanted to say when Jesus told them that they needed to feed the crowd. What? We're going to be responsible for this? They, they had just heard that John the Baptist had been killed, and his, his execution was, was brutal. It was a beheading, and it, it's, it's graphic as it's told in Matthew's gospel. And Jesus, having lost his friend and his companion, his fellow worker, he needed some time to grieve, and he wanted to get away, and he went out, but the people followed him. And when Jesus met up with them again, he had compassion on them. He saw their need. He knew of their circumstances. And so he healed the, some who were sick, and he taught, and he was with them. The day got long, and one of the disciples sidled up next to Jesus and said, you know, Jesus, we don't have any food out here. You need to send these people away so we're not responsible. This could get ugly when people get hungry and they're in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus said, you don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. What? You give them something to eat. No, no, we don't have anything to eat. If you hadn't noticed, there are no convenience stores out here. Fast foods, 1,900 years in the future. We can't just ask them to go back down to the Quickie Mart and pick up some fried chicken. No, what are we going to do? Say what? I have a feeling that, you know, there probably were some other responses as well. Given the fact that the disciples included some people who were rather um, crusty, shall we say, they might even be some responses that we wouldn't want to repeat in church. But we wonder what we would do. Are you crazy? How are we going to do that? There's another phrase from the Scripture readings this morning that I think is um, similar to that kind of say what. Isaiah 55 begins, Ho! Can I get your attention? Listen here. Pay attention, people. Isaiah's prophecy was part of, a, of the response of God to the children of Israel after they were, while they were struggling with captivity. They had been taken away, and the prophet was there to lift them up and to provide hope for them. The people are poor. They are hungry. They are thirsty. They are bereft. They are destitute. They need a good word. And in our contemporary English, the beginning of Isaiah 55 might be something like this. Hey there, pay attention, look up. If you're hungry and thirsty, come over here. I've got something for you. Wine and milk are here in abundance. If you're hungry, gather around. The table has been set. You don't need to worry about everything. It's been covered. Someone's picked up the tab. And oh, by the way, Why? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for those things that do not satisfy? Many of us are in similar straits today. We lack basic nourishment. And we take our resources and we spend it on the 
junk food equivalents, not just our food, but our entertainment, our lives, we spend our money on those things that don't satisfy us. Say what? We yearn for things that satisfy the soul, but for one reason or another, we get distracted. We get drawn away. We are tempted. We make poor decisions. We want to enjoy being with our friends, and so we go to a party and we have a drink or two or too many. We want to show our independence, and so we go out and we smoke tobacco or maybe something else. And we find ourselves with a compulsion to go and repeat those behaviors or maybe even addiction. Say what? We yearn for those relationships in our life that are meaningful and ways to deal with life when we are lonely. We think that all we need is a little retail therapy to lift us up and make our spirits feel better. But we find ourselves maybe, maybe, at the end of that time with a pretty hefty credit card debt and a little bit of trouble with phone calls that come in. We want to show our independence um, and we want to find our own relationships so we go online and we type in a few search terms and we find ourselves at websites or chat rooms or social media venues that promise relationships but only deliver emptiness. Say what? What do we do about it? No doubt there are some answers for that. There are many answers for the why do we do it. But I think another question to ask is what do we do about it? It's not simply why, but what do we do about it? And that's where the prophet's answer to the children of Israel comes in. There is a covenant of hope and goodness and grace. It was made with your ancestor, the prophet says, but it is yours anew today. It is yours afresh. You have heard about it, but it is yours to be taken. You get this not because you are wonderful or righteous or good. No, you don't get it because of that. You get it because God gives it to you. God has offered this to you. Now, Isaiah in the Old Testament predate Jesus. But I think what Jesus had to share with the disciples and with the crowd is very similar. The disciples had that, the, the, the um, people of the Old Testament had that same message. You're saying God cares about us? You're saying that God is, is going to provide for us? You're saying that God will share what we lack? How is it possible for us to receive this thing? How do we think about receiving, much less sharing? What do we have to give? What do we have? to give. Same question the disciples ask when they were faced with that crowd. What do we have to give? And I think that's the same question for us today. What do we have to give? Someone had rounded up five loaves and two fish 
wasn't a whole lot. A lot of folks have spent a lot of time and energy arguing about what that miracle was like. How do you take such a small amount and feed such a large crowd? Rosemary Radford Ruther is a Catholic theologian, kind of edgy sometimes, but she suggested that the Scripture says there are only 5,000 men. Did you notice that? Besides the women and children. She's saying if you've got a crowd where there's 5,000 men and then there are women and children, surely some of those women fixed picnic baskets before they went out that day. <laughs> I'm not saying that's how it happened, but, you know, God provides in different ways, in different ways. The intriguing question was how do we respond? How do we take what we have and share it? Peter, James, and John were standing there. They said, we have nothing. What can we give? We can't give anything because we have nothing. And yet, Jesus said, you have more than you realize. And by blessing what was there, by blessing us, there are things to have. Give them something to eat. Say what? Give Columbus and this region the ministry of Jesus Christ. What? What does that look like? How do we do it? One thing that this church has, that it gives the community every single week is worship. We give worship to the Chattahoochee Valley. From West Point to Eufaula, from Auburn to Albany, and points in between and maybe even beyond and certainly beyond with YouTube, we offer resources of faith and worship. When I'm going around town or even when I'm out of town and I tell people, I'm introduced to people and have a conversation about being here at First Columbus, one of the things I often get is, oh, yeah, we watched that. We've watched that for years. I used to watch that with my mom when she was in the hospital or I would watch that with dad while he's in the nursing home or I watch that because I'm out of town or all sorts of stuff. It's really amazing, and i got to say, it's a little bit, it, it's surprising. The first time it ever happened to me was I was walking, I was in the parking deck at St. Francis Hospital, and somebody, well, just minding my own business, parked the car, walking door the door, and we began talking to a man, and he said, yeah, you look familiar. Who are you? I know you. But, you know, they not only know me, they know you and you in the choir. I've had people, I've had you tell me they have had friends and coworkers say, yeah, I saw you at church, and they're not here. They're there. We offer this community something that's meaningful, and I hear about it in phone calls and in letters. Just this past week, I got a couple of them, people saying, thank you for doing this. First Presbyterian Church, you, through your presence here, through your participation in the mission and ministry of this church, through your support of what we do, we are offering worship 
to this city, to these cities, Columbus and Phoenix City, to our regions, to this region. It's pretty amazing. Say, what? We're offering that? Yes, we are offering that. Quite amazing. But we also have little things to offer. We have little pieces that we can offer the larger community and other places that we may not even be aware of. I heard a story recently about another uh, smaller southern town like Columbus, but, but not Columbus. Um, the church in the downtown region had been struggling to find its way. The economics of the area had been under challenge. One Sunday, there was a visitor from out of town at the church, and he was walking into the church, and there was a homeless man who was walking by, and he called the visitor over, and he said to the man, he said, please place this in the offering plate. It was a $5 bill. Please place this in the offering plate. This church makes a lot of difference to a lot of people. It so happened that the visitor was actually a child of that church. He had grown up in that church, and he was back visiting. Um, But he had left town, and he had done quite well for himself, as we say, um, in business, and had become quite wealthy. His career was noted, and he was also noted for his philanthropy. He decided that maybe as a child of that church, he could have a conversation with the leadership of the church, the pastor in the session, and they did. And things began to change, and he helped underwrite some of that. But people came, new members came, people gave. He just didn't do it all by himself. It was a joint effort where things got lifted up. New folks came and new visitors were there. New leadership rose up in the church. New ministries took root. There's still challenges. But it's quite amazing to think that started simply because someone with $5 could make a difference. And that $5 wasn't someone who was wealthy and privileged. That $5 came from somebody who really had nothing. And it changed this man. And it changed that church. And it changes our region and our world. You give them something to eat. Say what? Maybe it's two loaves and five fish. Or five fish and two loaves, I don't know. Maybe it's five dollars. You give them something to eat. And you will change yourself. And you will change the world. For the sake and for the goodness of God's love. Say what? Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. 
We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.